This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're catnapping our way into episode number 64. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I'm really excited about today's episode because it's probably one of my most requested topics, and I've finally decided that I'm going to go ahead and tackle it, even though I can't promise that I'm an expert on it myself. But before we move into that topic, which is naps, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about what I hinted at last week, which was the new program that I have coming up. Actually, program isn't really a good word for it because it's more like a club uh, or a membership if you want to be a little bit more I don't know, adult about it, but I kind of like club, you know, so it's a special club type thing uh, and it's for mamas and daddies, but it's for, it's for those of you who like me are in the middle of your mothering journey or your parenting journey. And especially when you have young kids. See, when I was pregnant with my first baby, I spent a lot of time drifting off into those warm, fuzzy dreams or daydreams about how life with baby was going to be. I pictured myself lovingly nursing my baby, wearing my baby in a carrier, how much fun it would be to start solids with only the most perfect organic foods. And I pictured as baby got bigger that we would have so many wonderful adventures, lots of learning opportunities. You know, I would I would give my baby all this curiosity and self-confidence. And of course, I would do everything right and my baby would be totally emotionally secure. And I was I was really happy when my baby was born. We didn't know if she was going to be a boy or a girl, but she ended up being a she. But after she came, it didn't really take me long to realize that though there were plenty of joys with motherhood, there was a lot of hard work too. And I felt tired, even confused sometimes because, I mean, you know, there are experts out there and all the quote unquote experts have a different opinion. I knew things that I didn't want to do. I didn't really want to do that quote-unquote standard Western parenting where your baby was isolated, there was bottles and strict feeding schedules and crying it out. I, I mean, I wanted to mother my baby in the way that felt right to me, but I also wanted to feel confident about it, and that was that was something that was a problem. I had dreamed about being a mom for so long. Seriously, guys, I wanted to be a mother from like the time when I was a little girl old enough to have my own baby dolls, but when it came to sleepless nights and sleepless days, like we're going to talk about in this podcast, the ups and downs of breastfeeding, starting solids, which my first baby, as you've heard me talk, talk about before, wasn't enthused about solids, um, and and even just living in a body that was very different from the way that it had been pre-baby. I was just exhausted and kind of unsure of myself. And sometimes, even when Cassidy slept well, my own worries would keep me up at night. Now, you know me. I like to research. I like to dig into things. And this mothering journey has been no different. I decided I would read up on everything I could parenting. And that's pretty much what I've done for the past 14 years. And of course, I added on a lot of real world experience after Cassidy, because I've parented six babies into toddlerhood and beyond. And now, of course, we've got Sadie, who as I'm recording this is seven weeks old, and she's actually asleep while I'm bouncing on a birth ball. So hopefully you can't hear me bouncing. 
But anyways, you know, you know that I love to teach. The podcast is one of the ways that I teach. But having six, I mean, seven kids, uh, a hobby farm, teaching birthing classes, recording this podcast, keeping up with a website, sometimes it's a circus act. But I, I get a lot of questions about baby care. I get them in my mama baby birthing classes. And I get a lot of questions from you podcast listeners related to taking care of baby. How do, how do I keep my baby healthy and happy? What about this topic? And of course, how do I enjoy this crazy journey that we call mothering? And your questions really tugged at my heart because they're so like my own were and sometimes like they still are. And I've had... I've had the chance to do a lot of trial and error across seven kids. I've had big successes, I've had happy days, and I've made a lot of mistakes, and we've had some pretty bad days. I've spent countless hours researching across 14 years, but I've also been there myself in the middle of motherhood, and I'm still there. This time, sweet Sadie is along for the ride, and this seemed to me like the perfect time to be here for you when I have all that research and experience that I can draw on, but I'm also right there with you. I'm walking the mothering journey with you right now. The biggest lesson that I think that I've learned on this journey is that you need to do what works for you and your baby. And you're going to hear me talk about that on on the podcast topic for the, the day. But the problem with that is finding that place of confidence and, and really relaxation, but finding that place where you can be confident and relaxed in a world full of experts, rigid methods, totally, you know, loosey-goosey, do-whatever methods, and all kinds of conflicting opinions. And that's, that's where this club that I hinted at before came in, comes in. I put together this mama club, and it's somewhere where I'll give you an in-depth overview on what to expect during your baby's early years, babyhood and toddlerhood. But I'm also going to have seasoned advice on all kinds of parenting topics. I want to make sure to include a look at what other mamas have chosen because that helps you pick what's right for you. And of course, there will be the normal stuff like exclusive videos, audios, interviews, and more. And because you and your little one are unique, I'm going to offer personal support. And this... I want this to be like my mama baby birthing classes, which one of my favorite things about them is that I can appeal to anybody anywhere in the world. And that's one of my favorite things about the podcast. I mean, you can listen to this if you're in the UK, if you're in Australia, if you're in France, if you're in India, it doesn't matter where you are. You can listen to this. And it's the same thing with mama baby birthing classes. I have mamas from all over the world take the classes. And so I wanted to make this mama's club the same way that you can access it anywhere. Now I'm, I'm just starting to get this started and I have a big vision for the member area, but I really want the input of real mamas like you and well, I'm looking at Sadie here. You can't see me looking at it, but life with a six week old or a seven week old or an eight week old or a nine week old, you know the story. It's just a crazy time to put all the bells and whistles on a totally new baby. So this is a chance for you and other listeners and subscribers to join me and help me to create an awesome community for mamas, to have a healthy and happy baby, and to feel confident about mothering. And so I'm still not quite ready to take the wraps off of this. 
I'm actually going to give more details in just a few days. So when you're listening to this, if you want more right away, then I would suggest that you sign up for the newsletter first because I'm going to subscribe, or I'm going to subscribe it. I'm going to tell it to newsletter subscribers first, and I'll share a little bit more on the podcast next week. But if you want the juicy details now, then go to birthbabylife.com slash smartmama. That's smart, S-M-A-R-T, mama, M-A-M-A. Birthbabylife.com slash smartmama. And you can sign up for the, the early bird list, so to speak, there to get more details on everything that's going to be going on. Um, and if you would like to tell me your thoughts, you know, what keeps you up at night? What worries keep you up at night? Or what's on your mind after hearing this? I would really, really love to hear from you. So you can subscribe there at birthbabylife.com slash smartmama. And then just hit reply and let me know what you're thinking of. Because you'll get a welcome email as soon as you uh, subscribe to the early bird list. Now, having said that. I think that it's time to move on to our topic for the day, which is, of course, getting your baby to take a nap. This is such a huge deal because nighttime sleep is really important. Or not nighttime sleep, but sleep is really important. And daytime sleep is really important. First of all, and maybe the biggest reason for for me, at least, is that... Daytime sleep sets the stage for nighttime sleep. And if my children are overtired during the day, they tend not to sleep well at night. Or they're not ready to go to sleep when I want them to go to sleep. And they tend to do the crash and burn thing. And it's usually a couple of hours later than I really wanted them to. And with my older kids, um, I'm not talking about my biggest kids. They tend to read to wind down for sleep. But I'm talking about my six-year-old and my three, almost four-year-old. And even Corwin. Uh, who is two, but they they tend to just kind of roll around in bed in this kind of manic state because they know that mama and daddy have said it's bedtime and that they need to be in bed, but they're they're too wired up and too stimulated to be able to go to sleep. And then the next morning, they all tend to be grumps because they didn't get good sleep. So daytime sleep is important because it sets the stage for nighttime sleep. And Daytime sleep is important because when you have little kids, sometimes it feels like you're on call 24-7. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And so being able to put a little one down for a nap can help keep you sane. And especially if you're really into nursing and co-sleeping and uh, baby wearing and stuff like I am, sometimes... You feel a little bit touched out and being able to have your little one take a nap in their own bed or where you could get up and walk away for a little while is really very beneficial to your to your peace of mind and maybe I won't say sanity but to your serenity and having good naps having good daytime naps tends to keep your little ones cheerful and happy so honor she's four and we tend to keep our little ones napping for maybe longer than is standard and I'll talk about this a little bit more too but we tend to keep them napping all the way through their fifth or fifth and sixth year so 
until Honor turns six. We'll probably keep her having an afternoon nap most afternoons. And sometimes it seems like she gets too much sleep because she's just at that place where that happens. And some days she doesn't want to take the afternoon nap, so she kind of rolls around during nap time. But if she doesn't have that rest, she is just really, really cranky and she tends to get really manic. I mean, like wild and hyper and crazy during the afternoon and then cranky and it's just, she's just wound up and she doesn't feel good. And Corwin pretty much always gets cranky and he'll start to fall asleep at a time when you don't want him to fall asleep, like five or six when we're getting ready to eat supper and he'll be cranky at the table and dinner time is for our family one of the best times of the day because we're all at the table together and it's a time for us to have nice conversations, especially with the older kids and the younger children, even though they, you know, they don't participate in that back and forth conversation so much, but we want them to be there and we want them to be part of that. And we want them to be able to enjoy the happy atmosphere at the table. So if they're cranky, then they can't really enjoy that. Or if they're, if they're falling asleep, I, I haven't had Corbin fall asleep at the table yet, though my Brennan, my third baby, he used to fall asleep uh, at the table a lot, which was kind of funny. Um, but you know that your child just feels a lot better and they have the staying power maybe to make it through those important family times. Maybe they're more cheerful when dad, you get home from work in the afternoon. It's just so important for everybody's health and peace of mind to have good daytime sleep. Now there are cultural differences when it comes to expectations of sleep and how a child will sleep and when a child will sleep. So if you look at a culture that's much more, um, I won't say traditional because really if you look at different cultures it's different across the cultures. But if you look at maybe a tribal culture such as was written um, about in the continuum concept where children were carried all the time and where they took little mini nursing sessions literally here and there throughout the day, every day, and if mom needed to put them down, there was a grandma or a sister or an auntie or somebody who picked the child up and so the child just nursed and dozed pretty much throughout the day. That's different than, say, uh, our concept of, of having a child nap. And then there's cultures where everybody kind of takes that afternoon rest, takes a siesta in the afternoon, such as in uh, many Latin American cultures. And there are other cultures throughout the world that do that too, where everyone kind of has a quiet time or a laid back time. And there are cultures that have an extended lunch and then maybe a time that's considered more of a rest time. And in those cultures, a child is going to nap because everybody in the entire world, or at least in their entire world, is going to nap too. So I do want to, to give a nod to cultural differences. And I know that many of us, we want to emulate what we see as, as perhaps the better parenting practice. Um, and I don't know, but I think I don't think that one maybe not is not necessarily better than the other. They're just different. And so that's but we'll talk about today in context of of what is normal for say a western baby. And I do want to talk about what's normal in terms of sleep because I think some of it you probably know and some of it is has been really surprising to me. 
Um, and even as I've worked with Sadie, because I mean, we're sort of, like I said, when I was talking about uh, the Smart Mama Happy Baby program, Sadie and I are kind of in the middle of this place too, so I don't have it all figured out. But, but you know, one of the things that, that has been surprising to me, and I have to remind myself every time I have a new baby, is just how much sleep babies need. So let's talk about what's normal and you'll understand what I mean. So everybody knows that a newborn, like a baby that you've just had and you're, you're at home with your baby or even at, at the hospital, and when you first get home with your baby, your baby is going to sleep a lot. So that's one thing that I know about all my postpartum times is that my newborn and I are going to bond some and then we're both going to be able to take a long nap because the baby is going to go to sleep. And in the first few days, the baby really sleeps all the time. Uh, I always take a lying in period after my babies are born of one week where baby and I are pretty much just in the bed hanging out together and getting to know each other and I'm taking it easy. And the the baby always tends to be sleeping most of the time. So I nap and doze here and there with baby and I I tend to get a lot of reading done too because I won't need to nap the 23 hours a day that the baby might be napping. Um, But, but so I want to sleep some and I want to do something else. So I usually pick a book that I get to enjoy in that postpartum period and after Sadie was no different. But your newborn is going to wake up, quote unquote, in the after the first couple weeks. You know that first week they're certainly going to be sleepy, and then you're going to notice that your baby gradually, quote unquote, wakes up. They're not going to want to spend most of the day sleeping at all, and I think at that point is when a lot of us we don't realize the reality of the amount of sleep that a baby needs because we go from that, okay, we know that we have a sleepy newborn, and then we immediately transition into either the ideology of two naps, a morning and an afternoon nap, or some of us may think about three naps, a morning and afternoon and an evening nap, and then bedtime. But the reality is, is that newborns, even up to six weeks old to eight weeks old, I mean, Sadie's seven weeks now, and this is certainly true for her, but they, I mean, they may need six to eight naps a day. That's a lot of sleep, and it's just, it's amazing to me that Sadie, she's, she has gotten to where she's pretty consistent in the morning. She's been a good night sleeper from day one, um, and I know that that's not true for all babies, but for Sadie, it's been true, but she's gotten now to where, and she co-sleeps with us, but when I get up out of bed in the morning, she will stay asleep, and so I usually get her up around 7.30ish or even 8 And if I get her up at 8 and get her all changed and ready for the day and then we sit down and nurse and by that time it might be 8.30, well, she will be happy to sit with me or to lay on her sheepskin and look at a, a picture or something for 10 minutes or so. And then she wants to be back in my arms. And then shortly after that, she's starting to get cranky. And by 9 o'clock, she wants another nap. So she's been up for maybe 45 minutes, maybe an hour, and she needs another nap. It's just, it seems incredible to me, which is one of the reasons why I want to share it. And it's really true with so many newborns, and we just don't realize it. Um, Many 
quote-unquote sleep experts say that with a young baby, as soon as you see signs of tiredness, it's time to put the baby down to sleep. And it, it may be for you that you don't want to go put your baby in a crib or whatever, and that's not what I'm saying, but realize that if your newborn is starting to yawn, or and when I say newborn, I consider that to be up to 12 weeks, but when your newborn is, is starting to yawn or act tired, he or she is probably tired, and it's probably time for a nap. So six to eight naps a day are normal. Um, what is considered normal for the stretch of time for the nap is like an hour and a half to two hours, and usually that will happen earlier in the day. Sadie tends to wake uh, a little bit earlier, at least for the morning nap. She takes a longer afternoon nap, but and we'll talk about waking from naps soon in a little bit. But typically, there'll be a pretty good stretch of a nap. And if it's not a good stretch, then the baby will definitely tire quickly again after getting up. Now, from 8 to 12 weeks of age, your baby may drop some naps. So, 4 to 8 naps a day. But still, that's more than that typical 3 naps that we think about. Your baby may need to nap pretty constantly. It's normal for babies of this age in the newborn period to only be able to be awake for 45 to 60 minutes. And the reason why I emphasize that, in addition to the fact that it fascinates me, is that your baby can get overtired. And then if your baby is overly tired, he or she will have a hard time getting to sleep. It's kind of a vicious cycle that gets perpetuated. So if you're seeing signs of sleepiness, consider that baby is sleepy. Now at three to four, uh, three to four months of age, your baby, again, it's kind of the same as up to 12 weeks, but your baby may take four naps, your baby may take eight naps. So we're talking a good chunk of time here, up to four months old, that baby may really need those extra naps. And we're going to talk in a minute about how you should watch your baby, but just consider that your child may need more naps than you are expecting. From four to six months, it's three naps that morning nap, that afternoon nap, and then usually unless you're putting your baby to bed really early and baby's sleeping for a super long, like 12-hour stretch, which isn't most breastfed babies, um, your baby will probably need an evening nap too. And then from six to nine months, baby's definitely maturing and able to stay awake longer, then you're looking at probably two to three naps. Some babies need that evening nap still, and it may be very short, only like a half an hour. Um, and I've heard some moms say that they like to have this nap out in the family area, even if they try and help baby nap in a quiet area elsewhere, because it just needs to be a short nap so that baby will want to go back to bed. Um, and then from 12 to 18 months, so from a year to a year and a half, two naps a day is normal, a morning and an afternoon nap. And then up to 22, 24 months, so 18 to 24 months, is one to two naps. And this, this can be based on baby. I found that my little ones seem to do a little bit better if they have that morning nap, if they stick with that morning nap. And my honor Again, she still she still really needs an afternoon nap most of the time, and she has been the one that held on to the morning nap the longest out of any of my babies. Um, and then two to five years, again, this varies. A lot of people let their, their child give up the nap at like 18 months, but we don't. If they're not going to nap, they're going to have a quiet time. And, uh, and so we have one nap a day, and that's just that afternoon nap. And again, Honor kept the morning nap even up past two, and it was 
we had to work to get her to give that up because we were dealing with she was either had way too much sleep or she wasn't getting enough and it was a little bit rocky there. But so again, that's just a lesson in respecting your own child and where they're at. Okay, so we've talked about what's normal and let's talk about getting to the nap because that's what's important and that's the big question that I've gotten for most of you is how do I even get to that nap? And the first thing that I would recommend that you do is watch your baby or your toddler's rhythms. And here we've got a Sadie. She's starting to kind of fuss here. So hopefully she'll go back to sleep. But you want to watch your baby or your toddler's rhythms. See when do they sleep? And when do they seem to most naturally sleep if they just fall asleep? Especially if you're not, you know, if you don't have any kind of scheduled nap. And I would really recommend that you keep a log. Uh, if you have no idea what your baby's biorhythms or patterns are. This sounds really rigid, but it's not. So you probably know if you've listened to the podcasts that we do elimination communication with our babies, which is basically just respecting the fact that human babies are born not wanting to soil the nest. And so one thing that's been really helpful for me with a lot of my babies is keeping logs of that. And so sleep logs are really similar. There's nothing rigid about it. It's just getting to know your baby and her needs and signals and communications that that they want to to give to you. The, so keep a log and you can see when is my baby sleeping? When does my baby need rest? And that helps you to know and especially look also log tired signs like I was talking about especially if you've got a young baby so sorry I'm trying to help Sadie nurse here okay um if you've got a young baby so when when does baby start yawning when does baby seem overstimulated and overstimulated means that they're really they're trying to turn away they don't want to engage anymore even if they were happy and overstimulation can happen quickly and tiredness can set in quickly because I mean the world is so very new so like I said I can lay Sadie down for like 10 minutes to look at at a picture card or something or I can spend 10 minutes holding her and you know just kind of doing mama baby chat back and forth and then she's she's turning her head away from the picture card or she starts to turn away from me or if one of her siblings has laid down on the floor beside her to talk to her she's kind of turning her head away so she's getting overstimulated and starting to get tired and that's very normal so watch your baby and watch those signs and when they happen and you'll be able to go back over the log and see that yes so baby started yawning and turning away and then 20 minutes later I couldn't get baby to, to stop crying because he was so cranky. You'll see those connections and it will really help you to know your baby. The next thing that I recommend that you do is develop a nap time routine. You probably know to develop a bedtime routine. And the nap time routine can actually be similar. Um, I've, I've used a bath before bed with one baby. That was Galen because we were really having some sleep troubles with him that I really wanted to overcome. Um, and so we did the whole shebang of a nice, good, complicated nighttime ritual and routine with the bath. But otherwise, I've never given a bath. But some parents do like to give a bath. And of course, you don't need to give a bath for, for your nap time routine. But do have some sort of a routine in place, even if it's a short one, because that helps your little one come to associate that this is nap time. Um, 
just like they know this is bedtime. And it can be similar to the bedtime routine. Some people say it should be real similar, though everybody recommends leaving off the bath. And some people say that uh, it can just have components or it could even be its own routine. But for, for Sadie and I, it's, it's a bit different than the bedtime routine because we draw the curtains in the bedroom and I sing to her. I tend to sing to her at all times, but we don't do the whole drawing the curtains. Um, but we still do swaddle her at this point. And so that's another constant. But develop a routine, and it can be what works for you. And I'll talk about it a little bit more when I talk about older children, too. I tend to do like a story for an older kid. But develop a routine. And then my very favorite strategy for helping to establish the nap time habit, uh, because I think that naps are a habit, and it changes, as I've just said, our expectations of what a nap will be, that tends to change along the way. But my favorite strategy is just to outlast your baby or your toddler. And it takes you keeping your cool, which is sometimes hard to do, especially when you're exhausted. And especially when you know that this might take two or three days or even longer, and especially in the case of a recalcitrant toddler, it might take a couple of weeks of outlasting, but if you outlast, it will usually help your baby or your toddler to get to sleep, and we'll talk about some of the strategies and what that means in a practical sense. Okay, so let's talk about a young baby first, like Sadie. Again, I've emphasized it already, but don't underestimate the need for a nap. And don't underestimate how much time sleeping your young baby may need. Because if your baby is overtired, that could be why you're not able to get your baby to sleep. Because your baby is too wired up, literally, and will finally collapse from exhaustion. Which if you've ever had that happen where you and your baby were just frazzled and, you know, baby cried herself to sleep, even in your arms. Um, or, you know, just finally your baby gave up out of sheer exhaustion. It's not quality sleep. And I also want to emphasize that sleep is not... It's not just a, a time of total rest. This is another reason why it's important. Our bodies do different things when we're sleeping than they do when we're awake. It just It's not just a period of rest. And those things that your body does when it's asleep are, are just as valuable as what they do when you're awake. So those biological processes that are occurring are important to your child. So keep that in mind too. But again, don't underestimate how much sleep your baby needs. And when you're seeing those signs of sleep, like when your baby is yawning or if your baby's just kind of staring off in the distance with that zoned out look on his or her face, that's often a sign of sleepiness. And if your baby, obviously, if your baby keeps kind of nodding off, then it's time to go to bed. Whether that be in a carrier while you're bouncing on a birth ball, like me, whether that be the two of you laying down in bed to nurse off to sleep, or whether that be you're putting your baby in a swim or a bassinet or a crib or something I mean I've done all those things we don't we actually don't own a crib but we have a little bassinet baby hammock thing and um, I'll sometimes put Sadie in there so whatever your you know whatever your sleep deal is do that when you see that your baby is tired I would recommend that you know strategies besides nursing to sleep I say this because for us uh, I have a really strong letdown and a lot of milk comes flooding out as soon as my babies start nursing and my babies will get really upset if 
if they need to sleep and then it's just nurse, 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 because they're getting so much milk and they're spitting up and they're just not really very content because they're at, they have too much going on in their tummy. So I like to get in a good nursing, but then if, if I'm having trouble getting my baby to sleep and I know that baby has had a good nursing, then I'll try other strategies to help baby get to sleep if he or she is having trouble. So like I said, we'll use the swing or um, bouncing on the birth ball or swaddling or carrying the baby around or patting baby when she's in the bed or in her little baby hammock. Um, and then I, we also sometimes use a pacifier. Most of my babies haven't taken a pacifier. Asher would take one for a little while in early babyhood. That's my second baby. And Sadie will take one sometimes. So like I said, when I know that she's really full and putting more milk into her would only make her crankier, but she seems to want to suck, either a pinky or a pacifier sometimes in those cases, though she's testy about whether she wants one or not. But have other strategies like that. And also know that sometimes if a baby is really overstimulated, the best thing to do is just to hold the baby. And rhythmic padding is often good. So on the back, like thump, 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 like a heartbeat or a ticking clock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. That can help a baby calm down and uh, and start to be soothed. And a darker, calmer room, so just remove baby from all stimulation. That can be really helpful. Uh, so just look into other strategies like that for helping your baby get to sleep. Napping with your baby is often a good way to establish the afternoon habit, and it gives you a little bit of time to rest too. Usually with my young babies, if I get up, they kind of want to get up too. But with an older baby, you can usually start to teach them that they need to stay in bed and sleep, even when you roll away from them. Um, I don't normally try and do the morning nap, or certainly not the number of naps that Sadie seems to need laying down with her. But it is a good strategy for um, for when you're trying to do the afternoon nap, because it helps you get a nap too. And my other piece of advice for a young baby is, well, I guess I didn't put this in the outline, so I'll go off on a little tangent. And I know this is going to end up being a longer podcast because of it. But anyways, um, make sure that... Um, Make sure that your expectations are reasonable. I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect that you can help teach your little one to sleep well. But also know that it's reasonable for for it to take some trial and error and for you to really have to listen to your baby. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. But it, it won't always be perfect and it won't always be clockwork. And it sometimes will take some trial and error. And that's important because I, I think that that realization can help you relax. And that's, that's the important thing with helping a little one learn anything. Learning to nurse or learning to sleep or getting going with solids or anything like that. It takes some relaxation and some patience. So <laughs> remember that for better or for worse. And then the other thing that made me think about that was if you're really exhausted and your baby isn't sleeping well at night or during the day and you're just really at the end of your rope, please ask for help. So get your baby a good nursing session, um, then try and get baby down and then ask 
a neighbor or your mother-in-law or somebody to come and either take care of the baby at the house or take baby on a walk around the block while you sleep you know reach out and get help if at all possible and and if that's not possible maybe you can email me and I can at least offer you some email support (laughs) during this time and remember that it won't last now let's talk about an older baby or a toddler and when I say older baby I'm talking like nine months and up again routine is so important Um, for both younger and older babies and also environment is important I didn't say this with the young babies I hinted at it a little bit but give your child your baby your toddler time to wind down that's one of the things that that bedtime routine really does and also try and keep the environment an environment that's conducive to resting I can remember I went to this um, to a seminar It was like a two-day thing where we were talking about herbs and natural healing and all of that sort of thing. And it was when, it was again when Asher was a baby. And there was a mom there and she had this little girl who had to be three or four. And she would spread out a blanket during the seminar and the little girl would play. And then when it was nap time, the mama would tuck another blanket over her and she would just sleep right through the seminar, right through the group activities. She just slept as sweet as could be. And, oh, I've had a couple that I could do that with. But that's a feat, and especially not something that you could as you could be able to do right off the bat. If your child has no nap time habit, expect that your child is going to need a quiet and calm environment. And I would, my kids don't typically nap in their rooms. They nap in my room. In fact, I have two little ones sleeping behind me right now. And Sadie is with me. If, if you listen to uh, the My Mama Baby birthing classes, those start right at the time that I put my little ones down. And so you'll often hear me say, Corwin, I need you to lay down and have a rest. Or, Honor, it's time for a rest. You'll often hear me say that because they're just, they're just getting to where they can kind of let go of the day and let themselves go to sleep. Um, but you know, this, my room is the room where we we can draw the curtains and it's a quieter environment. So try and give that quieter environment to your little ones. Sorry, again, I gotta, gotta help Sadie who's not, she's not getting a quality nap, but I knew we were probably going to sacrifice the nap for the podcast. So, but we can usually keep her pretty happy here. Okay, so remember environment and time to wind down. Again, just like for your little baby, for your older baby, and for your toddler, being overtired is a bad thing. So if you see them starting to get tired, especially if you're on a play date or out and about or something, try and wrap things up so that you can give them that time. Or if you're doing an activity together at home, try and wrap things up. And I would recommend try, especially for the afternoon nap, Try to be home, if at all possible. I know sometimes it can't be helped. Like my older kids have their Japanese lesson right smack dab in the middle of afternoon nap time for my little ones every other week. And I just can't help it. Um, But as much as you can, try and be home so you're not, not messing with that routine for them. Again, remember to outlast your child. And this doesn't have to be a mean thing. It's more of a matter-of-fact thing. 
But especially with an older baby or a toddler, if they get up, put them back down. If they sit up, and I'm not talking, again, this isn't a mean-spirited thing, though sometimes you may feel frustrated so you're going to have to fake being calm and happy, and if you need to, step out of the room for a minute. Um, But, you know, just matter-of-factly go put them down. That's what I do sometimes when I'm teaching and when one of mine is having trouble winding down. I'll either take my finger, because I usually don't want to make a lot of noise because I'm trying to teach. I'll take my finger and put it over their lips, just in that kind of shh motion um or if they're if they're sitting up then i'll go over and gently lay them down or ask them to lay down uh, more often but especially if you've got a baby who is an older baby or a young toddler who is kind of used to ruling the roost you may have to physically go put them back in bed a dozen or more times for the nap but usually if you will outlast it will work and you can use other things to help you along like I said um, I will do what I often like to do is we have a rain stick I don't know if you know what that is but I got it when I was a kid and it's just a wooden stick that when you turn it over little pebbles fall from one side to the other and it sounds like rain and so I'll usually do that once and then read something like a chapter from a book. My little ones always like books like the Little House books. And I try and read in kind of a calm, subdued manner, not a book with lots of pictures and stuff, more of a chapter book where it's just a story where they're listening or tell them a story. With the curtains drawn, a might, we have a white noise machine in here, so I might put that on. Just keeping things subdued and calm for them can be helpful and you'll probably see them start to go off to sleep now if if your child is pretty much used to no routine or anything then I think a nap time is a logical time to start but you can also expect that your little one is going to test over and over again to see is mom really serious about this or is daddy really serious about this so again outlast just keep putting your little one back in bed back in bed back in bed Um, And if you're in bed, sometimes I know moms, especially this is more of a nighttime thing with a family bed, but some moms will have their little one in bed with them. And if they sit up, you just put them back down and put them back down and put them back down and put them back down over and over again. Another thing that I think is really helpful at the start of nap times when you're just getting your older baby or toddler into the habit is stay nearby. And actually I do that with Sadie. If I put her in the swing in here, uh, even if I can see that she's drifting quickly off to sleep, I usually will stay and watch her, uh, which is more for me than for her, just to make sure that she's drifting off. But with an older child, it can be helpful for them if you're nearby. Now, if you're looking directly at them, sometimes that can be overstimulating and they'll try all kinds of antics. So you may choose to sit so that you're so that they're to the side of you, you know, so you can see them out of your peripheral vision but you're calmly doing something, reading or knitting or, um, I, I guess you could read your phone, but I would, I would pick a book or some sort of tactile thing instead because that just has kind of a calming effect, especially if you do any sort of needlepoint or knitting or felting or anything like that. Um, it just has kind of a soothing effect to watch it. My mother-in-law does it when she comes on Thursdays and it makes me sleepy to watch her. But you just do that sort of thing with watching your child out of the side vision. And if they get up, you know, you're right there putting them down. But you're not engaging with them 
if that makes any sense. So they have that comfort of your presence and that security, and the hope is that eventually they won't really need that or they won't need more than a few minutes of that. Okay, so those were some strategies to get to get naps to happen. Now, what happens if your child wakes from a nap? First, know your child. Know if maybe they only need this length of a nap, but you will probably quickly get an idea of how long of a nap they really need. And if you want them to go back to sleep, I recommend that you try. This is especially true with a younger baby, that you try. I found that with my older ones, if they wake up early, then I can usually tell them that they need to lay down or they can look at a book or play with a toy quietly on their cot. We set up little toddler cots in my room for the, for the toddlers and the older babies. So they can be there on the cot and look at that, but they have to stay until the end of nap time. And that usually works pretty well, and sometimes they will fall back asleep. Or sometimes they needed to go to the bathroom. Again, we try and do bathroom breaks and everything beforehand with a baby. If you're ECing, you want to offer the potty beforehand, and then you want to... Um, you want to change the diaper and everything. And I've found one thing that helps with Sadie along those lines is putting a stay dry liner in her diaper because we use cloth diapers and usually I want her to know that she's wet because I just want her to associate that we're going to quickly change a wet diaper and put her on the potty. But, uh, but when I want, I, I value sleep over potty time. So when I want her to sleep, I, um, I put a stay dry liner, which is just a piece of fleece that I cut up. You can go to the store and buy a yard of fleece and cut it into tons of liners. You don't even have to do any sort of hemming or anything. And that can help a baby who's cloth diapered sleep a little bit longer. Uh, but anyways, so, you know, you do those things to help them be comfortable throughout the duration of the nap time. And again, with an older one, I just, you know, just try and keep it low key um, and have it be quiet time. But for a younger baby, again, I might try and keep it really low-key. I might nurse to see if the baby will go back to sleep. Sleep cycles last about 45 minutes, so if you have a little baby who's going to wake up, they'll probably wake up around that 45-minute mark. If they cried or fussed to sleep, it might be sooner. But if they went to sleep, you know, just drifting off, it's probably going to be around the 45-minute mark. Um... And so at that point, I may nurse if, again, if I know that it's been a while to see if my baby will go back to sleep. I may not nurse if the baby is nursed soon because, again, like Sadie, she just doesn't do well if she's nursed and nursed and nursed and nursed and nursed because she gets tons of milk every time and then she'll be spitting up and she'll have horrible hiccups and she'll just be unhappy overall. So in that case, I may not nurse. I may choose to just shh do shushing noises and patting, or I, I usually will pick her up and pat her on her back. Sometimes we'll see if she wants to suck, if, if a pacifier or finger will work, and then put her down and see if she'll go back down. Usually for Sadie, if she wakes up at that 45-minute mark, it's going to be really hard to get her back down. I will try for a little while, but if she stays up, then I'll get her up. We'll have an activity time, and once she's showing signs of sleep again, I'll try and put her down again. So that might mean that she's only up for a half an hour and she wants to go back to sleep. 
because she's just tired. And if I know that she's going to need a nursing, again, we'll nurse. I, I have sometimes when I try and put her down awake and sometimes when I nurse her to sleep. And I've done that with all of my kids. Um, and I, I don't think, I know that some of the gurus and experts say, oh, you know, you should never nurse your baby to sleep. And some say, oh, well, it's okay if you always nurse your baby to sleep. But I think it's beneficial for them to be put to bed both ways. Um, at, at night, I almost always nurse a baby back to sleep. And even if, if Sadie wakes at like 4 or 5.30 in the morning, I'll go in and nurse her to see if I can get her back to sleep because I, I get up at about 5 in the morning. So I will go back in and nurse her because I really want her to sleep till 7.30 or 8 because I've got to get Scott off to work and get the other kids up and going with their day. And it's just a lot easier if she sleeps. But for nap time, I don't always nurse. And let's talk, I know I'm, I know that we're getting really, really long in this podcast. So let's talk really quickly about crying. I think that you should listen to your baby first and foremost and listen to his or her cries because they don't always mean the same thing. Sometimes there might be a hunger cry and a tired cry. If you always nurse your baby whenever he or she cries, then you may not be able to differentiate. But a, a baby who is tired will be a little bit grumpy, and it's just different than the than the rooting all around and the really insistent cry from nursing, or or for want of nursing. So look at that, and then if your baby is drifting off to sleep and you're hearing cries that aren't oh so Sadie's gonna cry for us oh you're okay so if you hear like what she just did which is a little cough or kind of an eh, 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 that's what Sadie does that's more of an I'm in t- I'm tired cry it's not an I'm in total distress cry and if I've put her in the swing or if we're bouncing on the birth ball and I'm hearing that then I'll usually just let her fuss like that Um, because she's with me, she knows that I'm there, or she knows that I'm right there, I'm right there watching her. And usually it won't escalate. She'll fall asleep. If it starts to escalate, or if it's, you know, the way, 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 or which is more of a hunger cry, or anything that gets uncontrollable, then it's time to pick the baby up. But I would stop. I would urge you to stop for a minute before you automatically pick your child up. And this is, again, talking about a young baby, Um, and just see, is it more of that peevish, irritated kind of cry and the baby's going to drift off to sleep? And then with an older baby and toddler, they will often cry because they know that it's going to get to you. And that is when I think that, that the best thing to do is to do what I was talking about, where you're there in the room with them, maybe right beside them, but not facing them or not looking at them or engaging or interacting with them. You might put a hand on, on your baby, again, older baby or toddler's chest, um, and just let them know that you're there or say something like, it's time for us to sleep. We sleep at this time. And just be there, present with them. And you could say something soothing here and there. We sleep. It's time to sleep. It's time for a rest. You know, it's time for little Johnny or little Susie to have a rest. Um, but don't, and if they get up, put them back down. You know, so you're going to, again, you're going to outlast them. You're going to be there. But chances are their crying is because they don't want to give in and go to sleep. 
it's not because they're really distressed. So different things for younger and older babies. But do please listen to your child. Listen to what, why they're crying and everything. And of course, all crying pulls at our heartstrings. I mean, the little, wah, wah. <laughs> I mean, it's just so pitiful. But it often means I'm really tired and I want to go to sleep. And if you don't swoop in, they'll go to sleep. And then with an older child, often crying is, I'm really irritated and I want you to pick me up. And I know that some people don't like to assign that to little children, but little children are capable of manipulating their environment to get what they want. I'm not saying that that's bad or good. I'm not giving it a behavior such as good or bad. But in this case, we want the child to go to sleep and our loving presence there helps to communicate to them. And certainly if they really are getting worked up, your older child to the point where, you know, they're red-faced and out of breath, you could pick them up, pat them on the back and assure them that things are okay. But I would encourage you you know, pick them up and, and then put them back down. And if it's, if they're totally not going to go for it, then you can just give up on the nap and try again tomorrow. And that might be the case with an older baby. But certainly toddlers are starting to get pretty clever and understand what's going on um, and understand what they're doing to craft things along their ends. I mean, I don't... I know that a lot of you who listen to this are from an attachment parenting bent, and that's certainly the bent that I come from too, but having had seven kids, I also know that sometimes our children are going to manipulate things to their ends, whether good or bad, it's simply human, and sometimes parents know best. And so you can gently let your older child know that you're there while helping them establish good habits. And this is where there's a lot of room for you to do what feels right to you, but I would encourage you to think, again, think about the fact that sleep is important, not just because it gives you a break, but important stuff is going on for your child biologically and physiologically when he or she is sleeping. So, of course, consider that when you're considering whether or not not having a nap just because my child is cranky and really wants to fight me on it is a good idea and think about you know let's establish good nighttime nap time and nighttime habits and I believe that that can happen gently um but I think that sometimes it does take firmness firm gentleness on the part of a parent and with that I will go ahead and uh, and end the podcast because we're really late now and remember if you would like to hear more about smart mama happy baby then go ahead and go to birthbabylife.com slash smart mama that's smart m-a-m-a smart mama birthbabylife.com slash smartmama and you can sign up there to to get more information on the mama club birth baby or smart mama happy baby and i will talk to you next week thanks for listening to the birth baby and life podcast with Kristen burgess for great resources and tons more info visit www.birthbabylife.com Visit www.birthbabylife.com.